back to another episode of the Stay Out Podcast. I'm Chris. We know you've missed the Stay Out Podcast for quite some time. The fact of the matter is, is we had to take a little bit of a hiatus. Life can come at you fast. And uh, as for me and my co-host Jordan, uh, life has come at us pretty quickly. Had to deal with some trials, some tribulations, some ups, some downs. And uh, for all intents and purposes, just uh, trying to square things away, set up our situation so that we can keep on chugging. And for some of us, that happens sooner than it does for others. Some of the issues that were uh, hindering us have subsided for myself. Uh, But as for my co-host, Jordan, still has to iron some things out, work some things out. So, uh He's going to take a little further hiatus away from the Stay House podcast. But in the meantime, we're going to try to continue to get the Stay House fans some solid content and continue to give you the quality of show that you are accustomed to. Now, that may come in the form of just hearing my voice. That may come in the form of hearing me with uh, a guest co-host or fill in in the time being or however. But we will try to get you some solid content on a regular basis. I can't guarantee you anything weekly, but it will be regular and it will be exciting as you're used to with the Stay House podcast. Now that that's out of the way, let's talk about what's been going on in sports. The Chicago Bears, we've missed a lot. We even missed our uh, season preview. We had a lot of hopes and dreams for the Chicago Bears this year, and uh, many of those hopes have been put to the wayside because we've seen sporadic, at best, performance from the Chicago Bears. While the defense has been extremely consistent in their performances, uh, with maybe uh, one or two duds here and there, for which we can probably put a measure of blame on the offense, that offense has been anything but stellar this year. I bargain to say that maybe the offense has had maybe two, three good games this year. And any game against Washington probably should not count, but it does in the standings. Now, I've been in many pockets and many modes over the past few days concerning the Chicago Bears and the past few weeks of the season concerning the Chicago Bears. And right now I'm in a a decent place because it looks like they're going to maybe go on a run. But I will say this as a word of caution to Bears fans, do not look for them to make the playoffs. The NFC has a very, very tough playoff picture, and I do not see the Bears sneaking in. They're coming off a big win against the Cowboys, getting ready for the pack. So, you know, they're going to get their game up for that no matter what the records are. But don't look for the Bears to just waltz in the playoffs because they're a little warm. Trubisky seems to have started to figure some things out in his working with Matt Nagy. It just seems like the two were oil and water for a good part of the season. The things Mitch could do seems like Matt didn't want to highlight. And I don't care what the Bears tell you now. They told Mitch Trubisky at the beginning of the year that they didn't want him running. And because he couldn't run, he couldn't move, he couldn't uh, create space with his feet. He couldn't cut the field in half by rolling out. Mr. Trubisky was thinking too much. He had to process too much. 
So you have to put Mitch in a pocket, in a situation where he's not processing, he's doing, he's reacting. So once you started doing that, got him on the move, let him use his feet when he felt it was time. He's a very good instinctive runner. When he knows he can run, he can feel that pocket and step out of it when need be, as you saw against the Cowboys. When he can roll out and cut that field in half and have to make half the reads that he would have to make from standing in the pocket, Mitch is a better quarterback. And that's not to mention that the two tackles that you've extended, Ryan Pace, and put uh, money into starting level, a high end starting level money into those two tackles ain't cutting it. Leno, Massey, they are not cutting it this year. Their technique is bad. Their performance is bad. And there's been many times where they've completely ruined any offensive game plan the Bears appear to have been walking into Soldier Field or any other stadium with. But I digress in that regard because the Bears have so many holes, so many problems. They're running an offense where you have to highlight the tight end. And what do you have sitting there at tight end? You had Trey Burton who couldn't get on the field, always hurt. And you had Adam Shaheen, who is now officially a major bust after going on the IR a couple weeks back. So now you don't have the key cog in the offense you're trying to run. And early in the year, you saw Mitch depending on Allen Robinson. That's why Allen Robinson's numbers are so solid. And bless Allen Robinson's heart. He's putting so much into it this year. A true Pro Bowl candidate because he was Mitch's safety blankie for a long time. And then it turned into Miller these past few weeks. But Allen Robinson's been solid. He's the one thing I can say that's been consistently solid for the Bears offense this year. Not much else. You like David Montgomery? If you're like me, you like David Montgomery. You see where he has some potential, has some skill, good out of the backfield, has caught a couple touchdowns this year. He is hard to bring down, just as they scouted him. But see, the thing is, is uh, that, that wiggle ability that he has, that ability to be hard to bring down, it means nothing when guys are already in your backfield two yards deep. And he's got to use all those moves and all those abilities just to get one or two yards. That's not what that's for. You want to see Montgomery getting out, going through a hole that's been created by consistently running the ball and not in, in sets that that are, are off the wall. Consistently running that ball like a, a real football team. And that way he can get three, four yards. And now he can make some people miss and turn some four yard runs into eight yard runs, turn some eight yard runs into 20 yard runs. That's where you want David Montgomery to excel. And it seems Nagy has figured that out as well. But the reason the Bears are in the situation they're in right now is it took too long to figure out. You shot yourself in the foot many a week because of stubbornness, Matt Nagy. And while I don't think you're as good of a coach as some think you are, and I don't think you're as bad of a coach as others think you are. 
good coaches, the best coaches, the Belichicks, the Parcells of the world, learn how to coach the personnel they have in front of them, not force their their program down people's throats. If you got a team that's going to run or a team that's built to run, you run. You got a team that's built to pass, you pass. You can still run your West Coast, but you need to have a few more principles involved so that you can succeed with the personnel you have. That's what the good coaches do. Hopefully, Matt Nagy can continue to learn and grow uh, from this experience. And it's actually a part of me that doesn't want the Bears to see the playoffs. Because now it's a it's a salve, it's a band-aid, it's a cover-up for what's really ailing this team. At this point, at this point, I kind of want them to hit a wall a little bit. I'm a Bears fan, nonetheless. And I want to see the best work out. But I'm also a very realistic fan. As you've heard me in the past with the Bulls, sometimes the best thing for your team is not to be able to uh, put the veneer on your real problems. We'll get into the Bulls later. But as for the Bears, the arrow certainly pointing up. And if they don't make the playoffs, at least you've seen some progress. At least you've seen some things where you understand what Mitch Trubisky can and cannot do. And you can go into next season and not try to make him into something he isn't, but try to use what he is to make him better. That being said, the Bears still better go and get another quarterback. Because if you got a hundred percent, if you have a hundred percent trust right now in Mitchell Trubisky, you're lying to yourself. He's been too sporadic. Yeah, you can go in the number one guy, but there better be some competition because Chase Daniel ain't it. Chase Daniel's a really swell guy. You follow him on social media. You see the the special interest stories. On him on, on your on your local networks in the Chicago area. Chase Dane is a really great guy. Cool dude. But he is a subpar backup quarterback. And when Mitch Trubisky doesn't feel that pressure on his back from somebody that could take his spot. You're going to run into the situations that we had this year. Where are you going to turn? If you want to win, this defense has a very distinct window. A lot of those guys are young, but some of the key cogs are not young. Trevathan's out right now. And it is a blessing that Quit has become the player. Nick Kwiatkowski has become the player that you needed him to be. But now Roquan's out. And Kevin Lewis, although he had a great game, now he's on tape. So I look forward to seeing what he's going to do going forward. I can't remember the other part of his name. I call him Kevin Lewis. I apologize. But that defense has a distinct window. And you can't miss that window. It's like I said last year. You have to take advantage of opportunities while they're there. And that defense right now is what you need to take advantage of. Unfortunately, it ain't going to happen this year. Too many obstacles to get into the playoffs 
too many teams in front of you. Even though you're only a few games out, you still got to jump several teams. And that NFC East is going to get a team in whether they deserve it or not, because that's the way things go. But again, hopefully the Bears can build on what we're seeing right now and keep some momentum going into next season. But you better bring in another quarterback. And I don't want to see Marcus Mariota and I don't want to see Cam Newton. Mariota is Samoan for Trubisky. So that is not an option. Now watch the Bears bring in Marcus Mariota. But that's okay. Ryan Pace has been decent. He doesn't do well uh, with certain areas of his draft. He's a little too aggressive and going after things, probably more aggressive than he needs to be, especially with Trubisky. And it's 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 baffling that Trubisky is in a very tough situation. He's in a situation where he's going to constantly be compared to that quarterback class that came out with him in 2017. He's going to constantly be compared with Patrick Mahomes, with Watson. And he should be. It's not unfair to do it. Because Deshaun Watson was sitting right there. And the Bears didn't even bring him in. You're talking about a kid who went out there and he dog walked two years in a row. That Alabama defense, which at that time was a borderline professional defense. Lots of NFL ready players sitting on that defense. Ask Eddie Jackson about Deshaun Watson. But. Chose to go after Trubisky. After a limited showing in college football. I understand the Mahomes hiccup. You may not have bought into the Big 12 thing. Big 12 plays no defense. It's all air raid running gun stuff out there. I can understand some trepidation regarding a Big 12 quarterback. But that's all fine and dandy. Deshaun Watson was right there. Sitting there. And the Bears claim Mahomes was on their board. But what good is Mahomes being on your board if you feel he's not good enough to wait for? Because if Mahomes was truly a real uh, potential possibility in that draft and you thought San Francisco was going to take Trubisky at two. You trade down and get you Mahomes and some picks. If you were serious about Mahomes as another option. So the honest, the the truth of it, the truth of the matter is, the honest truth is, it was Trubisky or nothing. Because that's the way you treated it. But I'm not going to hold Pace's feet to the fire too much, as some of you probably do, because Pace has done some good things. It hasn't been a total fiasco. Every GM has ups and downs. It may not seem like it, but even the Ravens do it. I say the Ravens because, in my opinion, the Ravens and the Patriots, as far as player acquisition and and drafting, 
are the model organizations of the NFL. Consistent, always there in the running. But even those organizations make some bad decisions and bad moves. So let's continue to see what Pace does. And low-key, the Saints do very well as well, which is why Pace is here. Because he came from that Saints organization that does very well. So that's why I'm willing to give him a little more time and see what happens. But you better start getting some quarterbacks in here if you're that Bears front office. And speaking of front offices, let's talk Chicago Bulls. The front office of the Chicago Bulls, the running theme from top to bottom was the Chicago Bulls are ready for the playoffs. And if Gar Foreman or John Paxson tells you they didn't say it, they are lying. They said it. Jim Boylan said it. They told you that at a press conference. Us, the fans. This is not a playoff basketball team. Even when they were saying it, I questioned their talent level. I thought they would compete for the eighth spot and eventually end up ninth or tenth. But this is far worse. And you still got people saying, well, they're not that far out of the eighth seed. Do you realistically see this team as currently constructed making any sort of run late in the season to put themselves in the conversation for their last seed as the season progresses? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And while Zach Levine, for the most part, and Lowry Marketing to a major extent, belong on milk cartons, because I wonder where they are. Shout out to MVP podcast. You wonder where they are. What's been their deal? I'm putting this at the feet of Jim Boylan in that front office. If you have a what you think is a playoff team, and this man in his last 82 games has a record that is literally two games different from Fred Hoiberg's last 82 games, he should be fired. And then he shows you with his in-game strategy, the rhetoric in the post-game interviews, in the press conferences. The fact that he's lost his players, they don't pay attention to him. If you're on social media, if you're watching news clips, you've seen several different situations where he's trying to get through the players and they are paying him no regard. He's lost this team. He lost them day one. And they tried. Zach tried to make good with him. Paying fines. But he just can't stop. He just can't stop this this JV high school basketball mentality. He's not even the varsity coach. He's like a church league coach, a rec league coach. Boy Scout troop leader who's coaching some kids and teaching them all the wrong things about basketball. 
Jim Boylan has never been higher than the second assistant. He tripped forward into this position. And now the things come together. When we talked last year about Fred Hoiberg getting fired and Jim Boylan taking over and wanting to see him uh, set himself apart as the coach, create his own staff. Now you have that staff. He didn't completely create it. Part of it was Garpax bringing Roy Rogers and Fleming in here. That wasn't all Boylan. Don't you believe it for one second? Now I understand why you no longer needed Randy Brown. Now I understand why you no longer needed Pete Myers. Because Jim Boylan is those guys. Chicago Bulls fans, do you want to know why Jim Boylan hasn't been fired? Because there's talk that Jerry Reinsdorf is steaming. Have you seen the empty seats at the UC, at the United Center? And shout out to the fans for finally speaking with your dollar. Have you seen it? The plummeting attendance. John Pax and Gar Foreman have succeeded. You've succeeded in making Bulls fans indifferent to your team. No one cares anymore. We're getting numb to it. So let's break down why Jim Boylan is still the coach of the Bulls. Every so often you hear with regularity about one thing that uh, the Bulls brass loves about Jim Boylan and is he's a great communicator. He's a great communicator because he keeps them in the loop of everything. There's been reports. Oh, Jim is always in the office talking to Gar and John. They love it. They love that check with me. They love that feeling of being the boss. It has to stop. It has to stop. You get your glory. You get your accolades when you win. Whether you think it's directly attributed to you or not, you're going to get your glory and accolades when you win. But see, now you've put yourself in a situation where now the fans and the public and the media and even the rest of the league is going to look at you and this organization. If anything goes right and you're still there, they're doing it in spite of you, not because of you. Jim Boylan helps Garpax keep tabs on things. He's not Tibbs. Who's a foxhole guy. You, if you're not in the foxhole with me, you're against me. He's not Hoiberg. Who only came to you when things were going well and things rarely went well. So he wasn't going to him. And then when they tried to force things on him. Oh, Freddie grew a pair. And expressed some displeasure, whether it be vocally or by his actions, his coaching. Oh, no. Fake tough guy Jim Boylan reports everything to the boss. And he's such a terrible coach. He plays 11 guys. What coach in the NBA is playing 11 guys? 
He's running lineups where you have uh, three guards in all six, three and under. He's setting up jump ball situations with Chris Dunn against centers. You mean to tell me this guy hasn't been fired? Fizdale's been fired, and I'm not saying Fizdale's a good coach. I never bought into the hype. I don't think he's terrible. But the Knicks, who are supposedly, emphasis on supposedly, the most dysfunctional organization in basketball. They're supposed to be worse than you. They're not looking at it right now. At least they know enough to get rid of the coach. And the other reason why you can't get rid of your coach You have a bad reputation in the league and you didn't interview anyone. You haven't interviewed anyone since you fired Tibbs. So you don't even have your finger on the pulse of the league. You don't even know who's good anymore. You don't even know who the good assistants are. Maybe that's why you brought Fleming in here as a safety net, perhaps. But you haven't gotten to know him yet. When you get to know him, it'll be time to get rid of Jim Boylan. So you won't have to do another search because you haven't done searches. You don't have a cachet. You don't have a file of of young coaches. Of basketball minds, you haven't picked the brains of anybody. You're the geniuses in your own house. You haven't picked the brains of anybody. You brought in Doug Collins. He's been wanting to get rid of Boylan since forever, according to reports. You haven't picked any brains. So now you don't know who's good. You don't know what strategy you're going to go with. Because when you went and got Hoiberg, you didn't interview anybody. You had it lined up already. Before you ushered out tips. And when you got rid of Hoiberg, that was so unexpected to the whole world because that was supposed to have been your boy. You didn't go talk to anybody because Boylan was right there. And that was the guy who started talking to you when Hoyberg stopped. And you love when guys come and report back to you. So now we're left with this product. Where you can tell it's terrible coaching. If the Bulls don't stop blitzing screen rolls. Creating mismatches that they can't possibly recover from. No effort in transition. They played the Hornets tonight. You had several layups on made baskets. That's effort. That's basketball IQ. Zach has disconnected from whatever you're telling him. He's going rogue a lot on offense. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I've seen Zach do some dumb stuff, breaking away from the offense. But Zach's had a couple games where he saved your tail. And now Lowry is starting to do it because Lowry's got to get his. Because he's had a regression like no other. Why isn't Jim Boylan being held accountable for Lowry's regression? There's been reports that Lowry's hurt, but nobody's saying anything. 
because he's toughing it out. And Lowry, if you're if you are hurt, your camp better say something. They better leak something to make you look better. Because it's not looking good, buddy. The Bulls are a dumpster fire right now from top to bottom. And Jerry can be as mad as he wants to be. If nothing gets done, what's the use? Just running your pressure up. It's been a rough year for Chicago sports, hasn't it? Bears underachieving. Bulls trash again. Even to this point, the baseball teams have been disappointing. The Hawks haven't been the same since they fired Q. Been pretty disappointing. And it used to be the Bulls used to be that that beacon in the night. Even when everything else was going bad, you could get you a nice Bulls game. Exciting. Effort. IQ. Athleticism. We don't see that anymore either. Now, I'm not saying a better coach gets this team to the playoffs. Maybe, maybe not. But I tell you what, Jim Boylan ain't it. Got to go. And if he goes, you cannot let Gar and Pax hire seventh, eighth coach somewhere in there. Clean this out. Blow this up. Wendell Carter has regressed. The guy you brought in to be the, the super pro on your team and tell everybody how to be a pro. He's now complaining that he is young. Never complained a day in his life till he got here. The guy who was supposed to have been a low-key great pickup. So been great for your team to stretch the floor, Luke Cornett. The minute you put him out there, everybody salivates because they're taking him one-on-one. I'll take Luke Cornett one-on-one off the dribble. I'm getting a basket. Kobe has some promise. The arrow's pointing up. Not as far up as people had it pointing in the beginning of the year. When he came out smoking. But hey, he's a rookie. He's going to hit that wall a little bit. But we'll see what happens. But he better be a two guard going forward because he is not a point guard. Too shooty, too turnovery. So there's a promising thing. But everything else has been subpar. He's not playing guys he should play, and he's playing guys he shouldn't. Daniel Gafford will come in and and provide a spark and set it ablaze. He's not a perfect player. We're just grasping for straws as fans. But he comes in, he provides a spark, and that'll be the night that he plays him six minutes. I don't get it. Not a good coach. 
Not a good coach at all. But enough of my ranting about the Bulls. One feature of the Stay House podcast, well, a couple features of the Stay House podcast uh, that gets the rave reviews, the grub report. And our latest feature, the Stay House list, we're going to try to keep those going. Today, we're going to combine them, though. The Stay House list meets the grub report. And we're going to list the top five French fries from burger joints. Now, these are like the franchise burger joints. Of course, the fries are like the hole in the wall spots are great. The 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 fresh cut fries, they're great more times than not. A Maxwell Street Polish spot. Of course, those are great fries. But let's just deal with the franchises. Top five. Number one. You know, what? Let, let's start. Let's start in reverse. Let's go with number five. Number five is Wendy's. Now, Wendy's has a, a, a fresh cut fry. That's pretty good. Provided it's properly salted. They use the sea salt. Goes good with or without ketchup. It's a solid fry and it goes well with with the type of burger they have a good burger and a solid fry. Wendy's is always solid. You can't go wrong with Wendy's. Number four is McDonald's. Old Faithful, that old staple. Always good in a pinch. Always tasting good. It's a skinny fry, so as we've discussed previously on this podcast, always going to get cold and get cold fast. You got eight minutes for fresh out the grease. But McDonald's is solid. You need a fry like that. You know, McDonald's is something where you can go to McDonald's and just get an order of fries and be satisfied. Actually, I would suggest that you don't really want their food anymore. But McDonald's is solid. I mean, if you got you got some McDonald's fries, you're going to be satisfied. They're a good standalone option. Number three is Checkers Rallies. This is controversial. You might think they'd be higher, but they're not. The reason why is because I think they're falling off a little bit. I think because they were so good when they first started out. They got a lot of people coming for them. They got a solid following, so they're slipping. So while they're still good, still solid, stay hot. They stay hot a while for a skinny fry. But they're falling off. But they're still good nonetheless with that great seasoning and batter. I got a surprise at number two. Red Robin. Now, Red Robin, see, I'm I'm you may not agree. I'm a steak fry guy. I need a, a nice beefy fry. And see, Red Robin, they put that seasoning on there on that Red Robin. And then you can you get you some ketchup and it's good to to dip in the ketchup. Mm, mm, mm. It's a solid fry, especially with that Red Robin seasoning they put on there. Very good fry. And I think they're still endless. Could be you get free refills. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Before I get to number one, I'm going to give you an honorable mention. Honorable mention to Chick-fil-A. It's a waffle fry. It's a great fry. Can't go wrong with it. But it just seems like it's never enough. But, you know, they're they're the, the main ones doing the waffle fry. They're the they're the forerunner in that one. So shout out to Chick-fil-A. Honorable mention when it comes to this fry conversation. Number one, though. Interestingly enough, your number one French fry option also has the uh, supposedly the best chicken sandwich going right now. And that's Popeye's. Popeye's Cajun fries. They are forced to deal with. And when you combine it with that chicken sandwich, it's been a while since I had one. It's been a while since I had one of those chicken. It's, it's like I refuse to go and fight the battles that that are necessary in order to obtain a Popeye's chicken sandwich. See, that's that's a sandwich. You got to take a day off of work, go in at 10, 30, 11 o'clock before the lunch rush starts and get your sandwich. Otherwise, you're fighting at least 20 people inside and 20 people in the drive through to get a sandwich. I'm not with that. But they combine that chicken sandwich with a very, very good fry. In fact, the best franchise fry out there. Book it from the Stay House podcast. <laughs> but the Stay House podcast is back, everybody. You can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, at Stay House Podcast. We got some great new developments in construction right now. We're trying to put some things together. We may blow this thing up. Make it big. You know, we might do some things with some other podcasts. You never know. Stay eyes. See, stay eyes is, is not just a podcast. It's a movement. So we always got things brewing. We always got a brainchild ready to be born. So, yeah, keep up with us. At Stay Us Podcast, Twitter and Instagram. You'll get some thoughts on Twitter. Also, we're on all your outlets as far as podcasting. We're still present there. We've been we've been on hiatus, but we're still there. Google Play, Apple Podcasts. We're now on iHeartRadio. And anywhere where you know there's a podcast, I think we're even on radio.com. So when you listen to your radio stations and you want to switch over to a podcast, you can find us. But again, Stay Us is a movement. It's more than a podcast. We're going to do big things. You've been with your boy, Chris. It's good to be back. Good to talk to y'all. Holler at y'all next time.